it's always a blessing to to be in front of of legends in my book for sure but uh i know i have many treats on the podcast and i'm very excited thrilled and and privileged to introduce you all to my next guest here on this beautiful monday morning uh without further ado we got dj p dot Good morning, good morning, good morning. Uh, welcome to the podcast, my brother. Thank you for having me, sir. Oh, it's no, it's just it's, thank you for allowing me <laughs> to even have you, man. Like, oh, seriously, man. man, this is a beautiful thing, bro. Anything for you, dog. I appreciate it, brother. Sir. Yeah, man. Uh, let's talk about your morning. How's your morning so far? Good, man. Good. Uh, had a late night last night playing a late checkout, uh, my Sunday event with B-Stang, and uh, got out a little late and still woke up early, handled some paperwork, and hit the gym, and here we are. That's just, that's, that's the normal uh, routine, huh? Yeah, man. Normal routine. Yeah, got to balance it, work and uh, health. Yeah, you know, I, I cover health quite a bit, you know, when I'm, uh, when I'm, when I'm covering certain things and uh, it sounds like you have a process. And by the way, man, shout out to you and, comp, you know, just compliments to you. I mean, you, you're looking great. I know you, uh, you're, you're, you're taking Gary Health. I know you've uh, kind of abstained from drinking. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, originally, I decided that I would do Sober October, so the last drink I had was September 30th, and then after the end of October, I was like, I feel good, um, and I just wanted to keep it going. Uh, I think it, a lot of it had to do with uh, when we opened back up after pandemic, and then once me and B started having all these events, we were working like five to six nights a week, and felt like at least to me like we were all playing catch up with all the missed partying and drinking and celebrating and uh going hard in the paint like six nights a week kind of uh took a toll on me so i i just had a reset i guess yeah yeah just working nightlife here in vegas especially the schedule that that you and beastang have uh and we, we had spoke about that we had you know we over an episode that we did in the past but um your body takes a beating and yep. it's crazy because I think I was I was here like in November or something, and you 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 did a gig until probably three four in the morning. I think it was Commonwealth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the next morning, like I'm hungry, right? So so we go to the park, and you're there just fresh as a daisy. Well, I think <laughs> I think you're kind of dying, like you were slowly dying, and you had probably you were probably two or three Red Bulls in. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, how, what's your process? Like, how do, you, uh, how do you just sustain and, and, and go through a long night and, and get that rest to be up the next day for your brunch gig? And then you have a gig at night. Yeah. So um, I guess I just, after we started having the brunch on Saturdays, um, I get out of common probably a little after three, get home around four, probably takes me 30 minutes to an hour to just kind of unwind and reset and be able to go to sleep and just being just telling myself i guess that all right i'm gonna do this brunch gig and then i can i can rest when i get home and then i can get a couple more hours of sleep in and then go work again at night it's just learning to i guess learning to rest via like short bursts of sleep especially learning how to like power nap correctly has uh been life-saving i guess Sleep is very important. When yeah. You're, you're, I mean, you're, you're literally like doing a couple hours of sleep and a couple naps. Um, so when the, the nights that I only work once and stuff, I like I probably still get a good like six to seven hours in. Um, but like on Friday, Friday night into Saturday, I probably get like four hours and then I'll catch like a 20 minute, maybe 90 minute nap uh, before work. 
Yeah. Just, I did a lot of research on like the science of napping and um, what really works and what can actually screw you over even more. So um, just learning like circadian, sorry to get all like scientific. And no, technical. please do. No, let's, let's get into it. Let's uh, get into it. Learning about like circadian rhythm and like if you nap too long, you'll actually end up coming out of the nap more tired depending on um, like what point of the rhythm you're in, what point of the cycle you're in. So like anywhere from 20 to 40 minutes is good. And anything between like 40 to 60, you're, you kind of screw yourself. You're just tired. Yeah. So you just got to kind of catch it and just like learning, the, teaching my body how to nap and get up at the the right points has just really helped. So 20, 40 minutes, that's the, the sweet spot of napping. Yeah. Or you, you have to get past like that hour and get back into like 90-ish minutes or somewhere around there. But yeah. I mean, are you even able to get into what's called a deep sleep, like uh, REM? Yeah. Um, and then 20, 40 minutes? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, not as much as like you would in like hours of sleep, but it's definitely like getting there. And I, I think that's like what the rhythm's based on, right? So like REM sleep, you go in and out of it throughout the night. So if you dip out of your nap while you're in REM, you wake up groggy. So you have to catch yourself as you're coming out of it. Yeah. So talk about your process with squeezing these, these power naps. And you said there's a science behind it. Yeah. So um, just understanding like circadian rhythm and um, learning when you should wake up and how long a nap should be. So uh, like I try to get about a 20-ish, 25-minute nap in or like 90-ish minutes uh, just because if you kind of fall in between those, you when you end up waking up more tired and more groggy, which when you're not getting the full amount of sleep the night before is kind of screwing yourself over, especially if, uh, like myself, I have to work after that and I have to be kind of like mentally on point. Um, so just understanding that and understanding like, exactly how long I need to nap and teaching my body how to do it uh, has pretty pretty much saved me, man. That, yeah. that, that gets me through my uh, my Friday night into Saturday morning. And that, those are your, your, your crucial high-impact uh, day, like key days of working, right? Yeah, so um, as of now, um, me and B Stang uh, work five five days a week and for me personally um on thursday friday or i'm sorry thursday saturday and sunday i work doubles so i work two i dj twice each of those days so uh learning how to get the maximum amount of uh rest i can uh, in those days is like really important it's crucial. Yeah, it's yeah, important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've been in Vegas for how many years now? Uh, shoot, um, twenty sixteen or twenty fifteen? Twenty fifteen. So what is that? Six years. Okay. Yeah. Cali, born, raised. Uh, yes, yeah, Southern California, born and raised, man. Talk about that. What uh, what city? What area? Uh, so yeah, this is an interesting part of my let's story, take it right? Back. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's yeah. take it back. <laughs> so um, I was born in Pasadena. Uh, 626. Hey. Um, but between when I was born until high school, I moved eight or nine times. Eight or nine times? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So um, I'll, I'll, I'll just go through the list. So uh, Pasadena, um, and then after that, moved to San Diego, 
spent quite a few years there. I, like my childhood, like young, young childhood was majority in San Diego. And then after that, uh, moved to Atwater in LA, which is like around Silver Lake. And then after that, uh, Cerritos, then Long Beach, then El Segundo. Uh, I might be missing a few, but yeah. Then the IE, Riverside High School and stuff. San Gabriel Valley. Yeah. San Diego. Yeah. LA County. LA County. IE. IE. Or Orange County. All of it. Anybody like, is anybody military in the family? No, 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 no. Um, both of my parents are in like finance, uh, like banking or mm. were in banking. Sure. Uh, so um, they, they met working at a bank in LA and then the opportunity came for them in San Diego. So moved down there. Then, um, as I guess like the financial crunch of like the early night, late eighties, early nineties hit, um, banking kind of dried up in San Diego and then, um, moved back to LA County. My dad moved first and, um, I'd only see him on the weekends and my mom was still working in San Diego. So he'd come back every weekend and then finally she was able to find a job in LA and we moved out, we moved back up to LA. So music inspiration probably did not come from your parents then? Oh, a lot of my, uh, pretty much all my musical inspiration came from my parents. Man. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, my father was big into like all the the dad rock that I'm sure the majority of Filipino f fathers are into. Oh, come on like, now, from absolutely. The, yeah, from the Beatles to the Eagles to Santana to all the all the stoner rock. That's my, that's my dad's jam. And then uh, my mom um is one of 13 siblings and the majority of them either sing or play instruments so there was always music in the house uh she loved like r&b soul music so i got the balance of both worlds which is uh, I'm, I'm blessed for and that's like all my love for music i, I think really comes from just all it always being around and just having like the two my mom and my dad having different tastes in music, but still appreciating each other's taste in music and just being able to enjoy all of it made me want to pursue this. And how did you, how did that transform into uh, music composition? You starting starting to, to start that craft in DJ. So um, uh, I guess I actually, I don't even think I've ever told this story. So this is oh, my, so this is, yeah, the very podcast, this is our in for a treat for so sure. I, I remember, um, as I was young, when I was younger, uh, probably like early early to mid uh, mid nineties, um, my mom would take me to to school every day and pick me up. So I would catch like to me, and there's just I, I I know I'm biased, but I think LA radio, especially like hip hop radio, is some of the best in the country. Especially that era, we had like absolute legends DJing on the radio. And luckily, like I got to hear that every day. Um, so uh, my mom would always let me listen to whatever I wanted to on the radio for the most part. Um, so I'd listen to Power 106 and 92.3 The Beat uh, every day. And just hearing DJs on the radio uh, really kind of trained my ear and I remember 
around maybe, what is that, like fourth, fifth grade was the first time I realized like, oh, these guys aren't just playing the song and then playing another song, like, you know, start, stop, like you would on a cassette tape. They're like blending the songs together. And uh, I remember in particular, I went, I was listening to Power 106. Then I flipped to 92.3 The Beat and the DJ was playing, the DJs were playing the exact same song, but one was pitched up a little bit. So it was faster. And because it was vinyl back in the day, like the, actual like tone the pitch was different and i was like what is going on how come it sounds different and i started putting two and two together and it made me want to listen a little bit more closely with more intent and just understanding like oh that's what they're doing they're putting two songs together and making it blend and just making it like one continuous flow for however the, that mix was and plug the year for the timeline is it like mid 90s we're talking yeah about? yeah probably like uh yeah probably around like anywhere from like 94 to like 96, 97, right around there. Perfect. Yeah, so um, that was going on. Um, and then, I'll, what happened after that? Yeah, just listening to that and really wanting to get into it, like music even more then. And I didn't really have any formal music training, um, except for maybe like one year, my parents bought me a guitar for Christmas because I was like, I don't know why I wanted to get into that because I didn't want to play piano. Um, I did that for a little bit and then we moved. So I didn't get to continue my my guitar lessons uh, and I just kind of gave it up. And then a few years after that, uh, I started saving up to buy myself some turntables because I was like super duper hip hop. Yes. Know, I, was, I was into like break dancing and like uh, I wanted to get in the mu more into the music side of things. So um, luckily... Uh, when I was younger, my, my mom's sister, my, my aunt, uh, she ran her own business or she still does to this day. Uh, so she, she does like the photos for uh, little league teams. So, you know, your team photos and your, the single shots or whatever. So I was a photo assistant, I guess you could call it, um, from like the age of like 12 until I graduated high school every weekend. So I would wake up mad early in the morning we'd go help my aunt out and i'd get i collect the paycheck so ah. yeah so i learned the the value of hard work and saving money really early and uh just saved up my money it took me a whole year to save up for one turntable and uh like a small cheap dj mixer so i would just like practice scratching and shit and oh can we curse on this i don't know absolutely can. okay uh and just doing that and then I remember it took me a whole another year to save up to buy that second turntable. And then after that, I was just in my bedroom pretty much every afternoon after I finished my homework and just fell in love with the craft, man. What a, what kind of mixer was your first mixer you bought with that one turntable? Uh, it was, I bought a Technique 1200, brand new, and it was a Vestax 003. It was chrome. Chrome. Yeah. Two channel. Was, yeah. Two channel, It yeah. was big trash. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Trash. I remember that. But uh yeah, I mean it, it got me um got me started and um I'm actually on the lookout to find one, but I haven't found an Are they still out there? Uh there's a few like really beat up ones, but I'm hoping I can find like a a, a cleaner one just to have. Yeah. Yeah, I noticed uh just the cost of gear more so 1200 and 1210s are just crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. Now. It's crazy. I mean, you can still find some for like maybe 350 to like 400 each if you're lucky 
if you search if you're lucky yeah yeah yeah. yeah but lucky. you can still find them but yeah I'm, i made the decision to buy my turntables brand new just because um i figured like yo if i'm spending all this money and saving all this money i might as well make it my own still got them still rocking yes them? yes i i tell everyone that is the longest relationship i've ever been in is, is me it? and my turntables me nice. and my two babies service regularly uh yeah uh maybe once a year once every other year service by myself of course yeah i mean, yeah. I, I, I wouldn't expect anything less than that man. <laughs> yeah come on so, now. since 99 for one of them and 2000 for the other one so 22 years going strong okay so you, you had your set you you got you, you got you got your turntables mm-hmm. are you slowly into just kind of doing like mobile gigs like everybody else did no or, so or? actually um this is how quote-unquote hip-hop i was i was not interested in uh you know doing parties or mobile djing at at all all mm. i wanted to do was scratch and beat juggle and that was what i was into as far as like djing was concerned um at the same time i was also starting to make beats so that was like my musical outlet i guess you could say um so i started producing quote unquote producing um at home and uh, i didn't really start actually the first time I ever rocked a party was 2010. Was the first party. The I, first time. The huh? first time I ever gigged out in public was 2010. Wow. So it was a decade before I played my first party. Sheesh. Yeah, man. But you, but you were kind of laying the foundation for production. Like you're already making, making yeah, beats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and, I, I was, I was making beats. Um, recorded some songs with like friends and uh, sold some beats and, you know uh that early 2000s producer grind um really didn't get that far as far as like career wise uh once i i was doing that the majority of the time in like high school and then once college hit i kind of put the djing away i I made the conscious decision to um not bring my turntables with me to college um i brought well i brought one turntable so i could sample records uh and i ended up buying an npc so NPC, I was in the, yeah yeah 2000 yeah. uh 2500 2, yeah okay. yeah so i had that at the at my apartment and then uh, my computer which i was making the majority of my beats on and yeah i i didn't i didn't really dj until after college when i brought the other i got a new spot and then had enough room to have my full setup and then that's when i started you know, thinking about DJing again. What were you studying at the time? Uh, Cal State Fullerton. Go, okay. go Titans. Go Titans. Yeah. What was your, ma- what was your, what was your uh, major? <laughs> I was a business major at first. Oh, huh, okay. Yeah. Um, I wanted to go to school for graphic graphic design. Actually, fun fact, um, when I was in high school, uh, when we sent, you know, all our applications out, uh, the Cal State system was... Um, uh, impacted where they weren't letting that many students in because they didn't have the budget for it at the time. So I was actually rejected by Cal State Fullerton at first. Oh wow! Yeah, so that was my that, that's the school I wanted to go to because they have a really great art program. I was like crushed that I didn't I didn't I got rejected by Cal State Fullerton, but I did get accepted to San Jose State. So hey, yeah, shout out to the Bay one time. <laughs> okay, so I went as far as um saying yeah I'll go, I'll go to San Jose. Um, went up there for orientation for a weekend. They did like a big thing for like all the, you know, non-local new students where we spent, 
I spent a weekend at the dorms at San Jose State. Um, yeah, got all my classes, my schedule, all that stuff done. And then literally the week after I came home from that trip, I got a letter from Cal State Fullerton saying like, oh, we have room now. And then I was like, yo, fuck it. Back down. Yeah. No. Huh. Yeah. So I always think about how different my life would be if I went to San Jose State at the instead of Cal State Fullerton. Because I mean, that was like the peak of like hyphy music and just as far as like music wise is concerned, like that would have been crazy. Oh, it would have been. Yeah. Yeah, man. That's uh so that's uh two thousand early two thousand two thousand four. Okay. okay. Yeah, I, was I think we're the same age, Fidat. Yeah, I think yeah, we are. What, yeah. what, what, uh, plug the uh, year you graduated high school. Uh, two thousand four. Two thousand four. Yeah, oh four. Okay, so you're a little younger than me. Yeah. <laughs> we by, will not, get into that. Not by much. Though. <laughs> so that's dope. Okay, so yeah. you, you you went to school. You you told yourself you committed. Like I'm not gonna bring. Yeah, just I mean, uh, part know? of it was like I wanted to focus more on production because that's just what I was into at the time. Uh, I was focused more on that, and then another part of it was I couldn't. I wasn't making enough money to afford all the records I would need to rock parties. And this is like pre Serato, right? Pre Serato, right. Yeah, yeah. So I, I couldn't I couldn't buy enough records to um to party rock. And I this is how like sheltered I was as far as DJing is concerned. I did not even know what like a record pool was. So I didn't know that you could pay like a, a, monthly, a monthly fee yeah. and get a bunch of records. Um I yeah, I'm self taught, so I didn't have any like OGs as far as like teaching me how to DJ um as far as like hands-on yeah so i was literally like in my own bubble teaching myself how to dj besides just like watching mad videos and listening to mixes and stuff like that that's interesting yeah so um i was loving making music um took that with me to college did a little bit of like production and still working on that but then like try to focus more on college um then i actually decided to change majors and switch to audio engineering. So I ended up finishing that. And um, it was actually, I don't know if it was a good move looking back at it, just because um, this, this was the time where the need for a huge studio with like the giant board and like all the hardware was kind of getting phased out. And this was the beginning of people being able to make music with just a laptop or just the computer. So like a lot of the stuff that I learned was useless by the time I graduated. So I was kind of stuck. Uh, but luckily, one of my friends that um, I'm, I met uh, while I was in high school um, was actually like going hard in the paint with uh, the audio engineering or with the production. And he, he, he engineered too because, I mean, at that point, like when you're starting out, you kind of have to. Um, but he was like, yo, man, like I'm starting to like build and I need someone to like engineer for me because I got to handle all the other stuff. Like the other side of being a producer isn't producers and just making beats. It's like directing the artist, directing, you know, like, oh, you need to sing it this way or let's do another take. So <clears throat> if he had to worry about the, the engineering part of it and recording engineering part of it while he was doing that, he couldn't do both. So he knew that I went to school for it. He knew that I was technically, you know, a little bit more sound as far as like knowing how to get things done or getting the sound that he wanted. So uh, he brought me in as his uh, house recording engineer. And I did that. 
uh, for a while after I was I finished with school. You studied auto engineering at state or no 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 different I, I, vocational yeah yeah, yeah. Got I, it. I switched. Uh, I went to Musicians Institute. Hell yeah yeah. Um, that uh, yeah. What is in, that? Like, in the, oh in, wait. In the bay, we in the bay we go to Expressions over in Berkeley. Hey. That was the auto engineering school. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Okay. Yeah, so uh, I did that, uh, and then uh, at that point, my boy John, uh, who's still you know very heavy in uh, production wise, um, I was his audio engineer, and I got to work on some really cool projects uh, that I'm proud of to this day. Um, Let's talk about that. Yeah. Uh, so I guess. The biggest, or to me, the one that meant the most was I got to do recording sessions with uh, Sean Stockman from Boys to Men. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. So it was literally just me, John, and Sean Stockman in the studio um, just recording songs. What'd y'all record? Uh, man, um, we probably recorded like three or four joints. That's a, le- man, that's a legend, man. Sean yeah, Stockman? Man. Yeah, <gasps> man. Um, what's funny is this is like uh, when when auto-tune was like, I mean, T-Pain already was out and stuff, but that's what singers thought of when they thought of auto-tune. But when you when it comes to the studio, like, it's so interesting. Um, I just remember, we, we always threw auto-tune on every artist, not like super like heavy where you would hear it like T-Pain, but just like slightly, just like fix any, um, you know, just like uh, off notes if you were like flat or whatever. And I remember fondly when Sean saw me setting up the the session in Pro Tools and he saw me throw auto-tune on his recording track. He's like, what? I don't need that. And I was like, I mean, at this point, like I'm I'm a nobody, right? And this dude's like sold millions upon millions of records. And I'm like, Thanks. I know you don't, but this is just our process. Like I'll turn it all. And um, it... At that point, I've I'd recorded like plenty of other like singers and songwriters, and I was like, dude, like I can't tell Sean Stockman like you need auto tune, and I just turned it off. And I was like, man, <laughs> bro, like yes, and that that was the that session really stands out in my mind because I remember that was the first time I recorded an artist from that era, like the '90s, and their ability to sing sorry i'm like no shade to anybody but their ability to sing and perform at that level is so much higher because they needed to be so on point every single take like he was just hitting it and that compared to like all the other people that i recorded it's like because they grew up in the era where they had other like they had technology to lean on you know they didn't have to be that on point but even though, like, I guess for the average listener, the end, the end uh, product sounds just as good, but like the performance and just like the, the emotion when you hit it the first time without needing any help is just night and day to me. Do you uh, do you find yourself being more plugged into just the whole production side? Because I mean, you really had your hands on. I mean, you're just that that guy that's very multifaceted, right? You're, you're like the jack of all trades, right? <laughs> I haven't known I haven't known P dot for a long time, but I mean, you you literally have your hands on on multiple things, and it's 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 more than just providing that music composition for rock and a party. You're doing everything, you know what I mean? Like 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 everything. You're I I, I would consider you as as more of an architect, <laughs> you know what I mean? I guess that's more of an way architect, yeah, more of an architect, but. 
Um, where deep inside, like where's like your what, what do you like thoroughly enjoy doing? Because I I don't think it's just DJ. Uh, you know what? I, you know, I, I I thought about it. I, I've thought about this a lot. I think the um, for me, it's the my number one like hobby. I guess is just learning. Okay. Right. I'm just curious. Sure. Like, um, that's what got me into like more into like I'm. I'm curious, and I'm like a super like geek nerd, like on the low. Well, not even on the you low. You a geek? Come on, get out of here. Um, so like just wanting to understand how everything works. Um, that just kind of goes hand in hand with like the production and uh, engineering side. And then when it came to DJing, just because this goes back to like the ten years between buying my first set of turntables and do, doing my first gig. Right. Yeah. I was so afraid not even like nervous i was afraid for my first gig and I, like i knew i had an exact hour huh. to play right um so i did everything that i could to just prepare so like n knowing the ins and outs of like um how to set everything up so this is like right when not right when but like around the time when like uh serato and stuff like was starting to pop off so i needed to understand how the technology side of it worked because like it's not just records anymore and like so many things can go wrong when you bring like a computer into the mix so i wanted to make sure i understood everything on that side so if something happened like i knew how to fix it um and that just carries over to everything that i do right like i want to know um how to fix a situation that i'm getting myself into and then just over the years of doing this for so long um uh, just kind of building that skill set and like as many avenues as possible when it comes to like DJing and throwing parties and nightlife and stuff like that. So I got, sorry to cut you off. I kind of feel like DJing is probably like 15% of what you do. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, it's, it's, um, actually playing out probably. Yeah. It's not that I mean, I tell everybody this, right? Like playing music for a crowd is probably the, yeah, like you said, maybe 15, 25% mm -hmm. of what DJing is, right? Yeah, for sure. Especially when you make it your career and it's not just like a hobby. Um, the other 50% is probably like, you know, digging for music and, you know, finding like how you're going to play it and like finding like new tracks and what's popping. The other leaves you like another 25%. I mean, you can throw the, all these like percentages around, but like the other... The remaining part of it's like networking and going out and meeting people and you know building relationships that's that's the majority of being a working dj is that the playing music part is the small but most rewarding part of what we do you know what's nice what makes you stand out and you know i do have a, i do have quite a few friends that that work in industry um talk about being a student right not only you're a student, but you know you kind of share share your craft. You know you um, provide that advisory role. You know, and you even post and publish these videos on on YouTube and several several DJ advisory web uh, websites. You know what <laughs> yeah, I mean? Yeah, talk yeah. about everything from from talking about gear to to, yeah. to rock and parties. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, talk about that, man. How'd you get into that? So, um, just like everybody, I guess at this point, like. Yo, you want to know how to do something, you look it up on YouTube and find out how to do it, right? You either hit Google or you hit YouTube yeah. to figure out how to fix something or, you know, you want to answer to something. So it actually started probably, um, I, could, I wanted to fix my 1200s 
and I saw like written tutorials and like that didn't make much sense to me. Like I'm more of a visual learner. So I had to search on YouTube and it took me forever to find a video on how to like change the RCA cables out of my um, techniques and ground them myself instead of having to pay someone to do it. So I was like, yo, why isn't there like a video for this? Like, or some without having to search and like spend so much time and why, and even that video that I, I found, it wasn't that clear. Like I figured it out how to, it taught me how to do it. But I, th I thought to myself like, man, I, I could, I could teach this or just like put this out and make it so much clearer and so much easier for people like other DJs that I know are looking for this. And that was probably like uh, one of my first like tutorial slash teaching videos was like how to take apart a Technique 1200 and fix it yourself. And then um, I guess just the response of like seeing like comments like, oh man, this helped me out and yo, thank you, thank you. I was like, man, like I, I found it so gratifying um, just to be able to contribute back to the quote unquote culture, right? Like we all take from the culture as far as like, you know, it gave us all of, all of us DJs, like it gave us like a, either a career or like some type of creative outlet. Like this was my way of giving back. And one of the things like I was taught when I was younger is like always give back when you can, you know what I mean? Like as much as you may or may not have in life, there's always someone that won't have as much as mm -hmm. you and it Facts. should be part of your everyday uh, process or whatever you want to call it to find opportunities to give back and it could be as simple as just being nice for someone holding open a door mm -hmm. you know it doesn't need to be like giving money out to everybody like there's so many ways to give back and this is just kind of my way to give back to uh, DJing and hip-hop was like yo let me start um, putting out these videos uh, and teaching people like things that I know that I look for and I know that I had questions on that and other people have asked me and just like started with like the turntable stuff. And then when it came to, because we started using computers uh, to DJ with like Serato and tractor and all that stuff. Uh, I'm like I said, I was super geek. So like I got deep and like how to work certain things and how to figure out different things and like cool things that I didn't see pe other people talking about and um, just started putting out content on that on YouTube that started 2016. That started uh, when I moved to Vegas because I needed, or not needed, I had more time on my hands because I quit my nine to five job and I was finally DJing full time and I didn't have shit to do during the day, so. So fair to say you were, you were, you were composing and publishing this content purely on your own accord, no endorsements, this is just like. Yeah, man, it started out just me wanting to put it out and like, help DJs out and give them answers that are a little bit hard to find or just things that people weren't talking about uh, that could be useful to, to, that I thought could be useful to people and started putting it out. Um, just when, when I committed to that, I told myself like, yo, if you're gonna do this, do it consistently. So uh, started trying to put out like a video a week or every other week. And um, after a while uh, I got uh, approached by one of the bigger like DJ technology news sites and they wanted, they saw what I was doing and they wanted me to make content for them. Uh, shout out to djtechtools.com nice. still around. Okay. Also from the Bay, San Francisco. Hello. Um, so I was doing freelance work for them for a while. Uh, they probably give me like a project a month and I did that for a minute while still doing content on my own channel. 
And um, yeah, I did that for a while. And then my contract with them kind of just ended and I still stayed making content for myself and uh, saw like progress being made. And I got um, my YouTube partnership. So I started making a little bit of money. I was like, yo, this is like, this will make money forever, right? Because like, as long as someone's searching for that video, I'm always going to make money on them, on like on all that content. So I, I doubled down and went from making one video a week to then three videos a week. And then at the peak of me making content, I was making five videos a week uh, on my channel. Where can we Where can we find you on uh, YouTube? Plug the channel. Real quick. It's a uh, YouTube.com/djp.tv. Um, I'm up there. I took a little break, but uh, I'm back. Uh, at least one video a week in a live stream. Um, but yeah, so back to after I finished the contract with DJ Tech Tools, I doubled down, started, you know, really going crazy with making content on my channel and started picking up a following. And uh, just like that first video, seeing all the comments and thank yous and, you know, starting to feel like I was making a difference and starting to feel like I was really helping. Um, I started just asking like my community that I was building, like, yo, w what else do you guys need help with? Or what can I, you know, what do you want to see content on? And that just made it that much easier to kind of um, be a better content creator and try to help my audience and my community even more. And then um, the weirdest, it's weird to, to this day, like um, if I go out to events or like if I'm playing somewhere, at least a few times a year, I'll have somebody like, yo, you peed off from YouTube, man. I'm like, yeah, that's me, man. Oh, hey, you helped me out, bro. I was like, that, I'll never get tired of that, not for the, you know, the clout part of it, but just knowing that I impacted and helped somebody else out. Like Touching that's, lives, bro. Touching that's, lives. That's the important part to me. You know what I mean? I was at work. Uh, I was at work one day, probably months ago, and um, I was searching... I had like a Serato issue. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, I had a Serato. I think it was like I had picked up an SRT and like I'm like, why isn't it communicating? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Why yeah. is it freaking communicating yeah. with with my Serato? So I was I was I was googling some stuff. I figured I had to go to you know settings, got yeah. permissions allow, etc. <clears throat> so I was like, then I ran into a couple of your videos, <laughs> yep. right? And I think I, I think I posted it too. Yeah, I yeah, think yeah. I posted yeah. it because yeah. I seen you guys over. I I had seen you that past summer I'm mm -hmm. like, oh, shit, it's freaking peed up and i'm gonna yeah. tag this guy real quick yeah 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 but but i, I ran through because you got you've got a lot of videos on youtube bro yeah like, man a lot talking about yeah. everything yeah like yeah. like gear yep like what's in my dj bag yeah you know what yeah. i'm saying yeah. and yeah um you also had that um i think you did a video of like like a disney set or something <laughs> like, like a disney set i was like oh, oh man yeah so i when especially when I was like trying to do five videos a week. I did that for like almost a year, about a year, if not more. Um, so my schedule, let me see if I can remember this. Monday would be DJ news. So mm -hmm. any like n new breaking news, like gear releases or like software releases or just like rumors. Uh, Tuesday would be um, cheap and useful gear you could find on Amazon. Wednesday would be some type of dj tip or trick whether it be like with hard like you know the hardware or like something in your on your computer thursday would be a vlog because this was like at the peak of like everybody being a vlogger on youtube and then friday would be another tip or trick 
And I did that for like about a year, if not more. Yeah, I want to see a lot of your Serato tutorials have like the most views, bro. So the most views is crazy. Like any anybody that wants to get heavy into YouTube or has like they start learning like how to optimize and how to reach more people, right? Because like when you start making a little bit of money, you want to know how to get more views to make more money. So like I learned the back end side of it and like how to get your videos to pop up like at the top of the search results as far as like whatever someone's searching for. So um, to this day, I think if you type in Serato DJ into YouTube, I come up at least once or twice in the mm-hmm. first page of results. Well, look, well here, <laughs> listen, I, I'm on your YouTube page right yeah. now. And it, it's it's how, I know algorithms is one, but it's how you title your yeah, video so, and your thumbnail. Yeah, so it's the thumbnail, the title, and um, use there's tagging, like keyword tagging on the back end that you can do. Mm-hmm. And also making sure that those keywords end up in your video description. So all of those th- all of those things combined can help you get to the front page of when someone searches. I mean, 324,000 views, Pete. Hey. Top five straw DJ setup options, man. <laughs> over 3 million views total on YouTube. Over 3 million, <laughs> plug that one time. Over, th- over 3 million views Let's on go. YouTube. Come on, um, brother. Yeah, so getting to the front page of like search results like Serato DJ like got the attention of other um, companies like even Serato. Like now I've built relationships with like other brands and stuff. Uh, Shout out to Serato. They always like have supported me and like if I ever have any questions about like how something works, um, their team always reaches out to me and makes sure. Damn, okay. Well, I mean, because it's it's mutually beneficial, right? For sure. Me getting more eyes and on their products from my audience and also like when i'm answering a question they don't have to spend the time making that content answering the question that some of their users have and it got to the i think it all started when uh i don't even remember what video it was but they started reposting my videos because it was helpful to whoever so like uh they would post my videos like on their facebook page and all that stuff so like i would get the traffic back and then once I saw that, I was like, yo, Serato's posting my stuff. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. And then I saw, I just reached out to them like on uh, Instagram or Twitter or Facebook. I don't remember what it was at that point. And then we started like exchanging messages and stuff like that and just built that relationship. And um, being able to ask those questions, especially like when there's like a new piece of gear out or like a new update um, and getting those answers gave me even more leverage as far as like having or knowing what content to put out because I knew that there was going to be questions coming up about it. Um, that seeing other companies and other like DJ websites, seeing me get traction with like big brands like Serato, like I had um, at the end of 2018, I had the largest online DJ school in the world reach out to me. DigitalDJTips.com reached out to me and said like, hey, we see, you know, you're doing, you're making some great content. Um, you, we love what you do. Would you like to make content for us? Uh, we saw that you were doing content for uh, DJ Tech Tools before. Uh, I talked to the editor there. Um, he loved what you did. He said you were really easy to work with. Uh, would you be interested in doing some freelance work for us? And dude, I was floored. I was like, yo, like, oh, yeah. I've been watching those videos and like kind of modeled like 
a lot of like my tutorial stuff after them because they were some of the best ones on the internet, in my opinion. And then um, did freelance work for them for a few months. Then they're like, yo, your content's doing really well. Would you like to come on full time? And I was full time with them for a little over a year until pandemic hit. Ah, yeah. So um, that was a job job. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, the thing about digital DJ tips is they're based in uh, Spain. Uh, so, but all of the employees are literally littered all over the world. So like one of the big content creators is in uh, the Philippines and then like the headquarters of the companies in Spain. And then there's uh, the girl that did this social media was in Utah. And then it was me in, in Vegas. So we would have to find a time every week to have our uh, weekly heads up meetings. So that would be Monday morning at 5 a.m. for me. So Damn. <laughs> and you're, you're shooting the content on your own, right? Yeah, yeah. So on your own, okay. Yeah, so uh, we'd get on a call um, every Monday morning, spend about two hours talking about what we're doing that week. And I learned so much from this process, right? Because this prior to this, I was just making content just strictly on my own. So um, we'd have those meetings. Uh, we'd go through, and I, I learned about, like, you know, really planning out how to um, get your content created and make it optimized for, you know, what your audience is looking for and how to kind of plan out things uh, a little bit further down the line as far as like, okay, we're doing this piece of content right here because in three to four weeks, you know, uh, we kind of want to lead up to this and kind of want to make it all make sense. Um, and just, it really taught me a lot of discipline as far as like getting things done and, you know, taking more time to make sure that the content is the best it can be. And like, I'm super thankful for that opportunity. Uh, learned a lot, met a lot of great people. Um, and just, it allowed me to go to uh, NAM for a few years. So NAM is like the big convention, convention. for all in Anaheim every year, usually in January, uh, where they show all the new gear that's gonna come out for the year, not just for DJing, but for everything basically you'd find at Guitar Center. All those companies are at Nam showing off their new gear, and it allowed me to go there and like meet more people and make more like connections and see all the gear and just open my eyes to like yo this whole content creation thing could be like a like its own like I, this could be my own business like this could be like another job and it was it was just great like seeing the possibilities of just that like open my eyes to like okay maybe just not just DJing you know like. Cause to me is, I, I try to keep it real, right? Like I know I can't DJ forever. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's shout out to like all the OGs at this point, at least to me, where like people that I know that are still, still killing it, yep. still killing it at the club, that are like not that far away from retirement age, but mm -hmm. still murdering it. And I'm I'm not talking about just like the the house and dance music guys, but like the hip hop open format guys that are, you know in the club multiple times a week, still killing it that old. Like, and even at that, I know there's a cap, right? So it's like, yo, what am I gonna do after this? So it's like, oh, I could, you know, I could really, if I go hard enough and I, and I, I make enough change, I could, you know, have this content creation thing as a, if not just a supplement to my income and where my career is going, it could be the main thing, yeah. 
you were still taking gigs while you were creating content? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, at that point, I was still gigging three, four nights a week. Yeah. Sheesh. Yeah, man. So um, when I was with Digital DJ Tips, I was responsible. I only had to put out one piece of content a week, but it wasn't just the video. Like I had to write a full article and all of that stuff. So it not only taught me how to make my videos better, but taught me how to write as far as you know, online blog posts and like, you know, actual news posts and stuff like that. So it broadened my skill set and made my content creation even better. And at the same time too, because I went from doing five videos a week and just kind of rushing them out to only doing one video a week, but making it as you know, as good as possible. A quality banger. Yeah. Um, taught me like, yo, just, you don't have to put out tons and tons of stuff. You can just slow down, just make it as impactful as possible and just you know like have that be the thing and because i instead of going five videos a week just to one it let me have more time to still do all my dj stuff and you know still take the gigs and still have enough time to you know go through music and go out and network and all that stuff it that's what i wanted to ask you a couple of weeks ago because what's up because you stream as well <clears throat> and you stream a lot of your work yeah, on yeah, Twitch, yeah. and yeah. I, I want to ask you, like, dude, how, how do you find time to do this from <laughs> from working from working gigs, right? Yeah, family life, yeah, running errands, you know, mm -hmm. and you're doing these marathon sets. How does he even find time to even just just hop on and 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 stream? And you, I think you were doing you were doing some edits, yeah, which so, is phenomenal, by the way. Yeah, oh, yeah. thank you, thank you, thank you. So um, after digital DJ tips, um, unfortunately, with the pandemic. Uh, my role got downsized and I was no longer with the company and, you know, totally understandable. Uh, shout out to those guys. They still support me hundred percent. Um, and I get it, you know, it's economics. Um, I didn't have to make, or I didn't make content for them anymore. And this was like right when the pandemic was starting and everyone was kind of like up in arms about like, yo, what are we all going to do? Especially like all the DJs out there, like all your gigs just dried up, right? You can, there's no get together. There's no party. There's no clubs, no bars. And everybody started streaming on Twitch, right? And luckily, uh, going back to my geek nerd side, unlike a lot of DJs out there, like I was very familiar with Twitch um, at that point. I... I had my Twitch account, I think it was like all the way back from like 2010. Oh, wow. Yeah. Before it was Twitch, when it was just yeah. in dot .tv, which is, I don't know if any, you guys know that, but before it was Twitch, it was called Justin.tv. Justin.tv? Um, just, it, well, because the guy that started Twitch, his, his first name is Justin. Huh, okay. So um, he named the website Justin.tv. That's blessing us with some gems <laughs> right now. Jeez, I never knew. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So... I was a member of that because I'm heavy into Street Fighter, like fighting games in particular, like Street Fighter, Marvel vs. Marvel vs. Capcom, um, and I would even go out to like local tournaments and stuff like that. And I built a relationship with um, one of the guys that would put like tournaments and shows together. And also, he was a content creator on YouTube, so um, he was one of my probably one of my first like YouTube mentors and like teaching me like how to make content and being consistent and kind of planning things out. Um, so I would always be on Twitch watching that stuff. And, um, and, and this is kind of the crazy cross section, right? I was the official, I was the DJ for 
the official after party for the Street Fighter World Championship here in Vegas every year for quite a few years. So that would be streamed on Twitch. So I would log, like while I'm DJing, I'd be on Twitch, watching myself on Twitch. Um, and from that, when pandemic hit, I was like, oh, I know what this is. Like I've, I've been a part of like streams and stuff. Like I know like the mechanics of like setting up the cameras and the audio and all that stuff. So I switched over to like, just like when everybody was kind of on Instagram, cause that was the easiest thing to do. Uh, and, but people were starting to get kicked off. I was like, dude, why don't we just DJ on Twitch? Like, and I was probably one of the first to switch over and, uh, started DJing on there. Like, you know, like everybody else, like once a week and then kind of like moving and creating your schedule and stuff like that. And ended up, uh, I think three times a week I was on Twitch, like through however many months, uh, I didn't have gigs and then vegas was one of the first places to open up and this is this is one of my biggest mistakes i think over the last two years is that i stopped streaming um i stopped streaming because i didn't have digital dj tips anymore i stopped making youtube videos and uh i just went back to you know getting on my grind and djing full-time because i had to you know i had to get my money up uh, absolutely uh pandemic was tough luckily you know, shout out to my parents who always teach me like, yo, save for a rainy day, save for a rainy day. Um, I was one of the, I guess, unlucky ones that didn't get uh, unemployment. Mm. I applied twice. And then after that, I was like, and I got denied twice. I was like, ah, man, fuck it. Like, <laughs> yo, this is the storm, right? This is yeah. what you prepared for. Right. So uh, I just thugged it out. I had, you know, some reserves saved up and made it through the pandemic. Um, without having to take out any loans or get any unemployment. Hell yeah. Um, so once we, I started getting back to work, I was like, yo, first things first, got to get that, all that savings stacked back up and then still handle all my bills. And then I'm blessed to be in the position where um, the nightlife company that I work for um, went hard. Like we opened, like opened the floodgates and we, since I was working there for so long before pandemic hit, um, I was one of the DJs were like, yo, there's going to be a lot of work. Are you ready? Like, here's everything. Like, we need you this many nights a week. Are you, can you do it? And I'm like, yeah, fuck it. I need to. So um, it's just the amount of DJing I had to do. Also, like, kind of, I'll admit, like, kind of being, um, what's the word? Just kind of being, uh, wanting to take a break from making content because I was just like not after like losing what was like a dream job to me of like making content for some like the biggest, you know, one of the biggest DJ websites in the world and like losing that opportunity. I was just like, ah, oh, man, like I was kind of down on myself, but luckily I had all the DJ to fall back on. So like I stopped making YouTube videos. I stopped streaming because I was working so much mm -hmm. when I, there's always everybody has 24 hours in a day and you can always make time right and i should have kept streaming maybe cut it down to once a week or twice a week but i was like yo i was just so focused on the djing part of it again because that's what i need that's what i thought i needed to do um that i i kind of just disappeared online and then recently um i made it i guess a new year's resolution um, the last few months of the year, I always try to like 
plan out what I want to do and strategize how I want to achieve like some goals for the next year. So I told myself, all right, you took a break long enough, get back on your shit, get back online. You still people out there are like, oh, you're still peed, yo, you're peed out from YouTube. Get back to making content, get back to helping people out. So right around the beginning of this year, I started putting out videos again on my YouTube channel. And then part of that was like, all right, let's just start easy. We'll do one video a week. But then also too, I wanted to get back to streaming, but I didn't, I wasn't interested in DJing on Twitch anymore because I'm already DJing five nights a week, five or six nights a week. I do eight to nine gigs every week, right? That's a lot of DJing. Mm -hmm. Excuse me. That's a lot of DJing. The last thing I want to do is DJ on Twitch. Plus there's so many other DJs out there doing it and doing it great. You know, shout out to our brother Aaron. Yes, sir. You know, shout out to Club Kitchen. Shout out to all the Snapback guys, Remark, all of them, everybody. <coughs> so I was like, all right, what can I do differently, but still, you know, put out content for, for Twitch? And I wanted to make it connect with my YouTube channel. Sorry. Uh, I wanted it to make... I wanted it to connect with my YouTube channel, right? So I was like, all right, I'm not gonna DJ, what can I do? I have my production background. And another thing I used to do too, was I used to make edits for um, record pools. So I used to make edits for DJ City, shout out to them. Oh, uh, Always great guys. And I, was, I used to also make edits for uh, Headliner Music Club. So mm. five deluxe is scratching them. Okay. Um, yeah, fun fact, I was Headliner Music Club employee number two or three wow really yeah no shit yeah um so i was like yo i know how to do that and i, I make edits for myself just for like uh making myself different as far as like my dj sets like why not just showcase that you know it kind of it's the the cross section of like djs want to see that because they might just want to see how to make edits also it's interesting as far as like my YouTube channel's concerned because they're more interested in the technical side. So it just made sense like, okay, every week, every Wednesday, I'm gonna hop online, hop on stream for a few hours, um, brainstorm some ideas during the week or even while I'm DJing and let's knock out a few edits every week. And then what I want to do now, actually what I started doing is uh, another great thing about like everybody hopping on Twitch was everyone hopping on Discord Oh man, uh, everyone hopping on Discord. And uh, what I've seen other DJs do too, uh, shout out to Cut Corners. He's probably one of the first ones I saw. Cut Corners from uh, Serato. He would put out to all his Twitch subscribers, if you sub to his Twitch channel, you had access to all of the edits he's made uh, during the month. So just like a little extra incentive to subscribe to his channel. So I was like, yo, I could kind of position that. So. If you subscribe to me on Twitch or if you subscribe to me on YouTube, because luckily I have enough, I've been on YouTube long enough and I have enough uh, followers and stuff like subscribers on there where I have access to um, their version of Twitch subscriptions. Uh, so if you subscribe, well, it's called, uh, what is it called? There's another name for it on Twitch. It's not a subscription, right? But if you pay me the monthly fee, you get all the, like the emotes and stuff you get on live chat, you would get on Twitch. 
And then um, I want to give all those people access to all the edits that I make during the month. So nice. uh, once a month, I'll put up all the edits I've made on stream uh, to all my subscribers and all my, like, you know, people that are um, nice enough to give me money every month to watch my content. You know, it's, it's impressive just watching you at work uh, creating these edits and you're you're like super quick with it, bro. It's <laughs> nuts. So talking about being like the the quote unquote geek with just the content you're creating and and the edits because it, lo I mean, it looks like you've been doing this for 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 a minute, bro. Yeah, man. Um, Composing all these edits. Yeah. So uh, I think I started making edits for DJ City in 2016, 2017. I did that for like a year, year or maybe a year, two years, and then. Um, I started making content for Headliner Music Club. Pretty much for the first year, if you downloaded an intro edit to any song on Headliner Music Club, there's a 90% chance that it was me making it. Was it was P-Dot. Yeah, yeah. Hell yeah. Um, then after just like, you know, learning that, like the back of my hand just from doing it so much, like, and just producing in uh, Ableton, which is what I make all the edits in. Um, yeah. I'm just i've learned to be really quick with it so um just kind of using that same skill set man to make it a little different and make it mine speaking of edits how did that uh that sweetie edit hit in club because you made <laughs> oh, that two weeks ago uh yeah i actually played it last night and it went off um saw a lot of bay area people in the building yes um so i knew exactly i i knew that it would work so i dropped it and it, it went off so for those that haven't heard it yet it's um what song is it is it is sweetie my type was it my type uh yeah okay uh no it's not my type what is it the it's the one that samples too short right yes yes yeah so at the at the end of the second verse the hyphy echoes yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. so she says fuck it i'm gonna bring back hyphy so like i just kind of looped that and um extended it out so i could drop another like bay area song so there you banger yeah yeah just and that's that's all like the way i, I think of dj edits it's how, what would be useful for like a dj in a club you know it doesn't have to be like the craziest uh thing and like it, to me it's just like what's the most useful and what can i get the most use out of and that's why i think people like the edits that i make it's just yo i can this is useful i can use it in, night in and night out mm -hmm. yeah did you? Yeah. I had uh, I had Beastang on. Yeah. And shout out to my brother, shout man. Shout out to Beastang, brother. Um, it's a testament to to the both of you actually, because you know you guys have have laid and established um, a solid foundation in nightlife here in Vegas, um, with a focus in downtown, but. You know what's what's a beautiful thing about you guys just you know you being that advisor role you sharing not only commentary but your skill set like you guys are known to just to, to put the homies on you know what i mean you guys yeah. do you guys do a lot of gigs yeah and it's always nice you know i follow you on ig and you guys always have just just the homies pulling up yeah you know just a lot of guest dj slots mm -hmm. you know and uh i get it everybody's trying to get that bag but it's a beautiful thing just seeing seeing you put the brothers and scissors on, you know, on a nightly. Yeah, man. So 
when me and B got the opportunity to, you know, have our own parties multiple times a week and multiple gigs, one of the first things we agreed to was, yo, this is an opportunity not just for us, but for all the other pe- all the other DJs that we know that can do the job. And especially at the time when it was right at the end of pandemic, when we knew that a lot of DJs were like in need of work. Both of us come from LA where getting your foot in the door is not the easiest thing, right? And I didn't get the kind of opportunity to get put on like that. I, I mean, call it paying dues, whatever you want to call it. But it's not the easiest thing. So it's like we agreed that, okay, as long as we know the person can do the job and they're not an asshole, you know what I mean? They're like good people and can do the job. Yo, why not? You know, because like I think I can speak I can speak on behalf of B Stang. Like that kind of energy comes back tenfold, right? Like you do something to help somebody else out, especially like that. Like if we know they can do it, like just put them on. Just yo, get the job done. You know, here's some cash in your pocket. Have a good time, and then you know if it all works out, we'll bring you back, and then you tell your people about it. And it's just it's mutually beneficial, right? So like, I if I have the opportunity to put someone else on and help somebody else out, I'm gonna do it because I didn't have that opportunity, and I want to be the the change that affects the the community, right? As far as like, absolutely. so like, that was like one of our key tenants, I guess you could call it. Like, you know, if we can help people out and they can do the job, why not? And where can they find you? Like what, what are your, what are nights, what are your slots right now? So, um, we are pretty much always downtown, um, Tuesday nights at lucky day, uh, for hickeys and dry humps. That's a party out of San Diego, uh, thrown by some of my friends out there. Uh, we started a chapter here in Vegas, so we are on the weekly. Then we have Snapback on Thursdays at Lucky Day, which is uh, one of, I would say, the best like throwback parties oh, from L.A. Absolutely. Um, and we've had Snapback chapters in New York, uh, Manila, everywhere, Vegas before, and then we brought it back when we had the opportunity to. And then we have another party uh, on Sundays called Late Checkout. Um, also at Lucky Day. Uh, and then, oh, how could I forget? Every Saturday we have brunch and... Um, yes. the Cuffin brunch, right? Cuffin, yes. yes. Cuffin, all things R&B. So before pandemic, uh, I was honored with the opportunity to have a chapter of Cuffin out here. Cuffin is an R- one of the first R&B parties and there's chapters all over the, the country. So from Hawaii to... Um, New York to the Bay, the bay yeah. all over the Bay, uh, Seattle, everywhere, LA, uh, Long Beach. So uh, I talked to the guy that put Cuffin together, shout out to uh, Rolls. And he came out here, we talked and we started Cuffin uh, probably like 2019-ish, 2018-ish. And then pandemic hit. And then we were given the opportunity to, to have a brunch. Um, and I was like, yo, that makes the most sense to me. Like, I don't want, I'm not the type to want to play ratchet music at brunch. Mm. I don't want to hear that at brunch. Like that, not, not, I mean, maybe a little bit, but not for like four, like my entire brunch thing. 
So it's like, yo, R&B just makes sense. Yeah, put, put a Mary Blige yeah, record. Yeah, so you know what I mean? Yeah. A little two-step while you're eating your yeah, exactly, French toast. Exactly, Yeah, so um, did that. Um, that's been going off uh, and just perfect vibe for the afternoon. Uh, and yeah, so those are our four parties on top of, uh, I'm at Commonwealth on the rooftop every Friday. And um, I also have a new event at a, at Oddwood, which is the bar inside of Area 15 here in Las Vegas. Beautiful, beautiful venue uh, called Inner Bloom. Um, that's an event every Thursday from 8 to 12. So it's a little early, which is nice because, you know, you can kind you can come out here music and not have to spend the whole night out. Yeah, I've seen your promo. I got to yeah. check that out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you on so, straight? Or just Are you doing our set? Or? Um, so it's me and uh, my guy, Andy Uwaps. And then we usually bring in two guests every week. And then we bring in like a an out-of-town guest um, yeah. every month, once a month. So uh, coming up soon in uh, March, we have, at the end of the month, we have uh, the one and only Miles Medina. Which oh, is, okay. Yeah, so. Another Bay Area legend. Yes, yes, yes. Shout out to Miles. That's Hell yeah. that's the big homie. Um, I've known Miles for a while now, and i um, really glad we can have him back out. So, yeah, always a fun time when I, I get to see yeah, him. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Speaking of gigs, um, can we expect you in the Bay Area at all, or just... Yo, you know actually, I mean? um... I was, know. Yeah, no, I, I was talking to Boogie Brown. Um, hey, shout out Boogie Brown. Yeah, yeah, SB. yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, I was supposed to come up there last year, or 2020, and it just didn't work out. And then I just haven't had the chance to go back out to the Bay, but I'm definitely... It's in my. It's on my goal list of this year to play back in the Bay. It's been a, it's been a long time since I played in the Bay, man. Well, sidebar, I mean, we could talk about this offline, but I am I am throwing a birthday party. Okay. In June. Okay. Um, I'm gonna be uh, booking a rooftop Ooh. lounge in the Bay. So Let I was, me know. I was thinking about bringing some homies out. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, Do a hey. few sets here. Hey, you hey. know. Well, get send me the date and I will clear my schedule. I gotta I gotta drop the bag first to, to, <laughs> to book the venue then. It'll probably be on a Sunday to be honest. But right. uh we'll make I it will work. Uh, I will let you know because I'd love some I'd, I'd love a few of the homies out here to fly out to the bank celebrate. It's gonna, yeah. it's, gonna, it's gonna be a big birthday. Yeah hell yeah it's, it's a big year bro. Yes, so. yes, yes. But we'll definitely talk about that offline. Yeah, for yeah, sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome man. So uh so so lucky day plug, Commonwealth. Park on Fremont uh, is park, the venue for park, our, yeah. our our brunch party. And then Oddwood, I do every Thursday as well. Man, that br that brunch party's a vibe, though, bro. Yeah, man, this is fun. I've been I've been to a few. Yeah, and um, the venue is getting uh, a remodel this year to make it even better, which I'm excited about. Yeah. So the beautiful thing about Park on Fremont for those that haven't uh, gone yet is that it's an it's an outdoor venue, well, indoor and outdoor. So like the we set up outside, uh, beautiful like garden area, like tree, real trees, and like nice outdoor seating, and that. Um, part of the venue is being expanded this year to be like twice the size. So nice. that should be fun. The food's great too. Yes, the food is good. The food's yes, great yes, too. Yes. And we get to listen to the stylistic sounds of P-Dot, <laughs> you know. Um, let me ask you this, just just talk about music real quick. Uh, and I know you, you're, you're definitely a workaholic, but how? what's your process on staying up to date with the new shit? The I'm, new, new, new music. I'm, you know what? To be honest, I'm... I can admit that I'm not I'm not that good at like staying up to date. Mm -hmm. um, when it comes to music that I have that I'm gonna play in my sets, uh, like I literally go through all the record pools that I subscribe to and just see like what are the hot songs that people are downloading, like the most downloaded tracks and stuff, and like try to go through that. Uh, I think the biggest part about 
me staying up to date is going out and listening to other DJs play and seeing with my own eyes what reaction like certain songs have and if the if i see a big crowd reaction i'll make sure to note that down and make sure that i have it next time that i play and stuff okay. like that yeah let me ask you this off day today right or off day mm -hmm. you're running errands yep. you're driving to the gym you're driving here what are you listening to not okay. music not music really not music just silence nah um the bear podcast <laughs> yes yeah, okay definitely oh yeah right. a lot of podcasts pretty much all podcasts if i'm listening to music it's not music that i'm playing in the club okay yeah well talk about it what are you, um, what are you slow jams something yeah actually you know what i mean um today i was listening to actually on the way here please i was listening to uh kendrick lamar damn okay uh just trying to run it front to back I, this is right after the super bowl right where we got to see that uh legendary west oh, coast my performance gosh. yes incredible yes. so uh, i had to run damn back um uh, but usually I'm listening to, yeah, like R&B stuff, like slower stuff. I don't really like listening to like turn up music in my car. Me either. Yeah. Like what's some uh, R&B records you're currently listening to? I am in love with that new K. Trinata and her record. That is my favorite song Fire, yeah. of this last six months. Mm -hmm. I've been running that thing back crazy. Um the Brent Fiaz and um, Thames track found super fire. Mm -hmm. um, what else have I been listening to? Uh, there's this artist Genevieve that I've been listening to fire. Baby powder. <laughs> that, hey, th th that acoustic remix though. Have you heard it? Uh, no. Oh, I, yeah. I gotta, I gotta run that Bro, one. I gotta play I gotta it for that, yeah. Genevieve. Um, it's fire. Yeah. So a lot of that. Um, Any like golden air R and B. Oh yeah, of yeah, course, man. Um, my favorite R and B male R and B group, drop it from the '90s is Drew Hill. Oh, yeah. Shout out Baltimore, Maryland. On yeah, that one, man. Bro. Drew Hill. I, yo, speaking, of, I have a funny Cisco story. Let's talk about it. So, um, when I was in college, I worked at Champ Sports in the mall. Okay. Cisco came into the store by himself, in just regular street clothes. I guess you know, Air, Force, had, Air Force One. <laughs> I, I, yo, I don't remember. I just remember yeah. um, he came in. He he wanted to buy some um, weightlifting gloves, so I helped him out. I grabbed, I got him for him. Went up to the register. I didn't say anything. I was like, "Yo!" And then um, he's gave me his credit card, and asked for his ID, and I'm like, "Hey, are you?" And he's like, "Yeah." I was like, "Oh shit, that's crazy, man! Hell yeah, yeah, wild." No one recognized them. No one said shit. There was a bunch of people in there. I was like, oh my God. That's one of my like I love fa Cisco. favorite R&B singers. Incomplete. That song. Oh, Incomplete. man. Oh, my oh man. So, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. What, what Drew Hill songs are you, uh, are you partial to? Um, I'm just tapping in. Because, you know, you know, I'm an R&B junkie, bro. Uh, like my, my, my favorite Drew Hill song of all time is April Showers. Hello. Yeah. 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 Stevie Wonder was original, right? Uh, I don't remember off the top of my head, okay. which I should. But yeah, I want to say Stevie because April Shaw is one of my favorites. Yeah, that's my favorite. Yeah, yeah. Woody did his thing. Yeah, yeah. I love Drew Hill. Yeah, mine's Beauty. That's a very very good song. That that's beauty. top three. That's yeah. top three. Sure. Yeah, hell yeah. I say Beauty. I want to say Never Make a Promise. Mm, <sighs> that's a good one. 
fire. Yeah. Okay, so Drew Hill, okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, some people loved Jodeci, but I was, I was a Drew Hill, Drew Hill guy. Oh, most definitely. Yeah. Where can we find you on social media? Um, I, pretty much everywhere at, uh, at DJP.com. Besides on Twitch, I actually forgot my login for DJP dot, so I had to make another account. So you can find me at P dot Live on Twitch. On Twitch, yeah. You know, I miss those uh, those breakfast streams you used to do. Yo, those are mad fun, man. Bro, with the with the waffles, yeah, and the syrup yeah. Forward. I, I, I would wake up in the morning like, you know, I'm gonna just go, I'm gonna tune on P dot stream. I'm hungry. Yeah. I want some good R and B. So yeah. we we would just vibe out. Hell yeah, three two three hours listening to like chill shit watching like the wildest watching videos food. yeah it was all food too yeah gordon ramsay oh my god it's incredible yeah uh do you chef it up as well in the kitchen uh i do i cook P-dot? yes i do cook talk to him so um one of the stipulations of me moving out of my parents house to go off to college was my mom needed to make sure that i could survive on my own so i needed to prove that i could cook and clean by myself so she had to know that i could if I couldn't afford to go out to eat, because I probably couldn't afford to go out to eat, mm-hmm. that I could make myself food. So I uh, was taught to cook at a very young age, and uh, yeah, continued on. I love a- cooking. Any siblings? I am an only child. You and I both. Yeah, I am an only child. You and I both. Okay. I was surrounded by cousins my entire life. You and I both. Yeah. Hell yeah. And um, I know the... the um, what is it? The stigma is, yo, only children are spoiled, but that's part of the reason why my ass got put to work at such a young age as my mom said, like, yo, you were never going to be spoiled. You have to earn everything you want. If you want, like, you can make your own money, you can spend it how you want, but don't ask me for shit. Man, respect to your parents on that one. Yeah. Hell yeah. I was spoiled for a little bit, but then. Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean. But, but then eventually they, they, they cut that, they cut that leash <laughs> off and I had to, I had to work yep. and, and grind yeah. to, to, to buy the things that I really yeah. wanted. You yeah. know what I mean? And, yeah. and I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm blessed that I grew up that way because it really taught me lessons that, you know, have helped me out so much as, as I've gotten older, like not just learning the value of money, but like learning that material as nice as it is to have material things it's not the most important thing yeah for sure you know what i mean and especially now i'm blessed enough where i can afford all the things that i want it's like yo that's still not the most important thing to me what are the important things beat up uh time with people you cherish agreed time is the one um thing that you can never get you back. can never get back yeah that is the most important resource you can always make money you, you can, can spend it money. and make it but that yeah. time that time is precious yep. that time yeah. is very precious yeah pete i know we could talk for hours bro but uh i want to thank you again Yo, for, of course, for, man. for taking time I thank know, you so much for having me bro no, i appreciate you man and and again in 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 my book i have i have plenty of legends <laughs> swear to god i got plenty of legends but pete i mean you are your IQ is incredible. Not just your music IQ, but just, just again, I, I consider you as as, a, as an architect. Current you, age, man. bro. Like, I like seriously, man. So, uh, thank you again, man. We're live here with PDOT on the Bearway Podcast, and we got to run a part two soon, bro. Yeah, let's do it. We got to run a part yeah. two, man. Thank you so much for having me, bro. Thank Can't you, wait brother. to come back. For sure, bro. Keep it locked. Yes, sir.